Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 102. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at BJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey Nick, how's it going? I'm doing great, John. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. All right, Nick. Hey, today is part two of our discussion with Randall Cook. So uh, this time we're getting more into some of his experiences in wellness coaching and his specific views on healthy eating. Um, I really found this fascinating. You know, I think the first time I was listening to more about like, you know, his specific views in coaching, but the second time I was really like thinking about how like his specific views on like goal setting and monitoring progress are, are exactly what we should be doing when it comes to like goal setting and monitoring progress for our, you know, educating ourselves and like increasing our skill level and also in how we like goal set and monitor progress for our career. And, um, so I was just pulling for those kinds of analogies. Uh, really, really fascinating, very applicable. Yeah, I like that. And I like the way that Randall talked about sometimes what you say your goal is isn't really your goal. It's a level or two deeper. And I think it's that analysis that you mentioned, the self-reflection that helps you get there. One of the other things I was also thinking about is this idea of body performance optimization. You know, we didn't really talk about exercise a lot here, but we talked about fueling our bodies with the right stuff. So if I eat something that's really greasy, and makes me feel bad, I'm not going to be able to think as clearly and perform as optimally in my job. And I've thought a lot about that over the past couple of years since I've completely cut sweets out of my diet. And I, before I eat something, I think about how it's going to make me feel. And if I know it's going to make me feel bad, it's pretty easy to not eat it. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And something that I think you know, I was a little bit unconscious for me, but like, it's, you know, obvious on the surface that that's exactly what he's talking about. You know, when you have things like, you know, that like post lunch lull or, you know, that first meeting, you know, after everybody's eating, eating breakfast and, you know, they're a little bit, uh, you know, more chipper because they've just had their coffee, you know, like all of those things, you know, you think to yourself, like, what, what is, what if I could do something to like affect that to kind of have like a high level attention and high level energy, you know, throughout the day, you know, um, just feel your body differently to optimize your performance, optimize your learning, um, optimize your attention. So, you know, all of that was really good too. And it's all these things, time of day that you intake, how much, uh, when you start thinking about it, it's just fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, so with that in mind, let's get into part two of our discussion with Randall Cook.
maybe we could talk a little bit about some of the things that you've learned and that you teach now as part of your practice. Um, you know, I think we started to touch on it, you know, hydration, humidity, but I feel like there's a whole host of things that people are missing out on when they are, you know, working from an office or working from home, but, you know, maybe even doubly so when you're working from home, um, because, you know, you just kind of have that, you know, oh, well, I'm at home and I want to relax and, and there's no transition, you know, from home to work and work to home. Um, so we, we don't really have anything there. Actually, why don't you just make sure and set level set with everybody and just say what the depth of a wellness, holistic wellness coach entails? Because I'm not sure that everybody listening is going to know. All right. So um, part of it depends on how much the person wants to do is because I can't help somebody beyond what they want to do. I, um, and that's why I'm a coach and not, uh, I don't treat people. I coach people. You know, you go to a doctor, you get pills, you're being treated. It's being happening to you. What I do is I help people help themselves. Um, I teach them what they need to do to take care of themselves really. But it goes, you know, it starts with getting clear on, on what you really want out of this. You know, so many people want to lose 10 pounds. Well, 10 pounds is a goal, but it's not the destination. Usually there's something behind the 10 pounds they want. And the deal is, is you get trapped in looking at losing that weight. And if that's your focus, then you're just going to look at ways to reach that goal. Even if that method is going to hurt what you actually want out of it. Um, Because the truth is your, your goal should always point towards your, your vision should always lead you to, to, your, to the life you want. But when you stay focused on the goal, you get off course a lot of the time, and it makes, for me anyway. It's like you, you, know, you get obsessed with this goal and reaching this goal, and you forget why you're even going after the goal. So you know, the first part is getting clear on what, what you're really wanting out of this. Um, and then... Well, I think just that, that clarity is important, right? I mean, for example, I mean, you talk about, you know, the weight, you know, it's like, well, if I want to lose 10 or 15 pounds, like, why do you want to lose 10 or 15 pounds? Just like, because that's the the actual real reason that you need to address. I mean, I, I don't remember who told me this is like, you know, like a human leg might weigh 10 or 15 pounds. So if you wanted to lose that weight, you know, would chopping off one of your legs, like accomplish your goal? It's like, oh, no, that compromises my mobility. Plus, like, you know, what I really wanted was to, like, look better in a specific shirt or outfit. It's like, oh, okay, well, now we're, like, kind of uncovering what it is that you really wanted. So, like, making that the goal instead of the metric, you know, that you picked to represent that goal. Like, that makes sense to me. Right, exactly. That's a perfect illustration. And then from there, we, you know, what what I do is I have... a I have a, some very detailed questionnaires that go into like the symptoms you're having, like to evaluate how all the different parts of your body are functioning. Um, whether you real, and it's so in depth and it's actually like prompted questions. So you don't have to say, well, I don't like the way this happens and I don't like the way this happens. It's like, okay, how is this? Is it this, this or this, you know, 
you know, how often do you go to the, you know, how often do you poop? Is it this, you know, is it, you know, every day? Is it, you know, multiple times a day? Is it once a week? Um, because you can't depend on, because especially when you're trying to assess somebody, you can't depend on their level of understanding. Um, because like I said, you know, I, I had a lot of clues that I wasn't well, but I didn't understand them. So if you'd asked me, I'd say, yeah, I'm pretty healthy. I started, you know, by the end of college, I had a few blood sugar issues, but not, you know, nothing really unexpected based on my family history. Uh, but I, you know, so you, so the assessment kind of takes that out of it. And then I've got a different one that's kind of simpler, that's just like different habits you have. Like how often do you buy your food? Because if you only shop like, you know, once a month, that can be really great for the budget. But like produce actually loses its nutrient value as it sits in your fridge. So the fresher really is the better then. And the more, the less often you buy, the more you're relying on packaged products. And, um, so it, that one, I like that one as a teaching tool, really, because um, it, it, it as you do it, it shows you the scores for each answer. <laughs> so you can, you can kind of see what the better answer is, and then if if you care about it, you can come back and ask me why. Um, and so, but once we do the assessment, then together I go over it with you. And together, we come up with one or two things that you want to change. No more than three. Um, you know, I read a quote in a book, and I just ran across it today, but it was basically the wise man uh, fears to move forward or to learn something new until he has learned how to do what he just learned. It's like instead of amassing all this knowledge before putting it into practice, it's, oh, I learned something new. I need to actually learn it through doing now. Um, and so it's, and that's with everything it's that way. And especially when you're trying to make changes to your life, to your habits, it, it gets overwhelming really quick. Yeah. I can imagine like, and plus if, if you get a benefit, you don't know which change really brought along that benefit, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to drink more water and I'm going to eat less red meat and I'm going to cut out, you know, crackers from my diet. It's like, oh, wow, I feel really better. Well, maybe, you know, was it the crackers or was it the red meat or was it the water? I mean, what, you know, or was it all three of those things combined? And, and, and can you maintain like all three changes? Right. Um, right. And then on top of those three, just think if you say, okay, well, I'm going to get, start getting up, going to bed at eight o'clock and getting up at five and going to work out every day for every day of the week for at least 30 minutes and and you just keep adding and okay you may be able to do that for like three days if you're superman uh <laughs> but it but you're already by by picking so many things you are guaranteeing that you're not going to achieve it and most likely at least one of those is going to hit a trigger for you that you may or may not know about um and i, I you know from my own experience of Food is a big trigger, <laughs> um, and, and there's no there's no good or bad about it. It just is very emotional for everybody. 
Uh, I had one of my instructors was he he's you know he he'll say it you know he wakes up thinking about making coffee, and it's actually not just the coffee itself, but he grew up with a Q, in a Cuban family, and every Saturday they would sit down, the parents and the kids, and have coffee together. So when he has coffee, he he's remembering that. Um, well, food is so primal, and then scents and sounds are like those kind of shortcuts into the primal part of the brain, right? Like right. just so strongly associative. So, you know, sense memory is really, really powerful. So, I mean, every, like whenever I smell Earl Grey, like it, it like shocks me right back almost exactly the same way that you talked about to when I was a kid and, you know, um, smelling my mother making tea in the morning. So it's uh, that, that hits home pretty hard. Yeah. Food is primal. Right. And, you know, like my wife's family, her dad has had a lot of health problems, and so they've tried different eating methods over the years, um, and so that that brings its own set of associations, um, and it just it can get very complicated very fast. For some people, you know, turkey may remind them of the fights at the Thanksgiving dinner table, but other people, it's nostalgic and makes them think about family and home. So each person is different, and if and if you they're not willing to even acknowledge them, the, the associations, then they're not going to ever successfully change their eating habits. That's so interesting because I remember it's been a year or more ago. On my birthday, my grandmother would make me this massive, gooey chocolate chip cookie cake. And actually, Texas cow chip, to be specific, oatmeal, cornflakes, chocolate chip, fantastic, right? So I don't feel like I ate a lot that particular night, but man, I puked my guts out after this, and I haven't wanted to eat anything <laughs> sweet since. Just, no, I'm done. I'm finished with sweets. The yeah. attachment is there, <laughs> and I'm against it. Yeah, th- that's that's rough. Yeah, I know. I, I've, you know, especially... Uh, my p- mom's friends have talked about talked about when they were pregnant. Like they would, I remember one friend uh, smelled pork chops cooking when she was pregnant with one of her children, and just made her sick. And she has not had she hadn't had one since then. And that child was a teenager, I believe. Um, and I, you know, for me, I, I've struggled with uh, sh- sh- sodas and cookies, and it took it took me a good while of sort of uh, introspection to figure out that you know the you know the sodas honestly we there, but there were pleasant associations with each and honestly by by giving themselves give, giving myself those treats i was making myself feel special during a stressful time um and then you couple that with just the natural high you get from sugar and its addictive quality. Um, it makes it really hard. <laughs> sure, food food as like self-medication is is a big deal too, right? Right. Yeah. One Honestly, one of the startling things for me was I was listening to a podcast one day and it was talking about PTSD for veterans. I believe this is a podcast. 
and they actually did a study because some treatments like the medical treatments they do with prescription meds and all that were successful for some people and not successful at all for others and one of the factors for that was the use of um, or excessive use of energy drinks like monsters um, the combination of sugar and caffeine actually just that alone puts your system into a stress state and so basically by you know drinking three monsters in a day you're undoing any stress relaxation the medicine was doing human body so complex so how can how can we this how can we make better choices throughout our day randall as we you know whether i'm working from home and i'm going from conference call to conference call to conference call and I, or i'm someone who is has to drive around and i just have time to go through a drive through what are some ways that i could do a little bit better with my choices um so for me the biggest one of the biggest helps um was realizing that my food choices are not right or wrong it's not wrong for me to eat a cookie it's not wrong for me to eat a donut but is it is this going to help me achieve the goal i want is this going to help or hinder the life i'm trying to get um, that, that was a big game changer for me because you can even get trapped in a cycle where you eat something that you know you shouldn't so you feel the remorse it's, it becomes a habit to feel that way. So you unconsciously seek opportunities to make yourself feel bad. It sounds insane, but there it is. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, you get clear, you know, you get clear on what you want out of your life. Um, and then you need to start becoming aware of what food will do to you. Um, for me, um, you know, especially when I got sick and before I really started eating better, there were days where I would sit at work and get almost nothing done because my brain just wasn't working or like I'd be wasted all afternoon because I just couldn't think straight, which is not a really good thing when you're supposed to be on task and, you know, got projects to do and you get like, you know, an hour and a half of work done in four hours. <laughs> um, you know, you know, that afternoon slump is real, but you can make it, you can, if, with the wrong choice, you can push it to all day. Um, so that the first step is just kind of getting clear on what you want from your food. Um, and and you know, I'll be honest. Like I said, there's I don't think there's bad choices about food, or wrong, wrong choices. Um, and my last few months at my job it was really stressful, and so I would purposely let myself have the donut and the coffee together. I knew it would hurt my performance long term, but it was a good stress. It it was my way of coping with the stress, and I knew it. Um, and it was a choice I made. I paid for it <laughs> um, in different ways. Um, so you know, I don't exactly recommend that to people, but it is there, and you know, it it, it kept me from being everything I wanted to be, but it kept me functioning at a, in a place where I wasn't. Kept I kind me from of hear, going to a dark place. Yeah, I totally understand that. But I think maybe one of the things that I'm hearing from you is like making it a conscious choice instead of an unconscious one, 
where you, where you consider it, you understand the choice that you're making, and you actually make a choice instead of just going on autopilot and um, and kind of like unconsciously grabbing this and that and 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 not making any choices, just drifting into you know things that are harmful for your growth. right. Right. You 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 hit that on the nail. That was very well said. Um, and so you know once once you're clear on what you want your food to do for you like you want it to maximize your performance and keep your energy up um, then you have to actually start being aware of what each food does to you because <laughs> um, uh, you know there's millions of chemical reactions happening in your body every second and they're the exact mixture is unique to you and so you have to learn what works for you um, and so the way, the best way to do that is you keep a, a food journal. Um, it's not just keeping track of what you eat, but it's keeping track of what you eat, when you eat, when you what you drink, when you drink it, and how you feel through the day. Like if you start having an energy slump, you write that down with a time, or, and you know because it comes with other health issues. If you start like if your head starts itching. You'd write that down. Um, if you start getting a little nagging cough, just things like that, and then you can start seeing patterns. You know, you need data before you can make judgment. Um, and you know, for when someone starts, I have a 10-day dialogue you're supposed to fill out, and so it's got all of that. It has what kind of exercise they did, how they slept, um, how they, you know. It's not something we talk about in public very much, um, sadly, but even, you know, how their bowel movements were. So you can, because all of that are to sh give you clues to what's going on overall. Um, and then when you look at that, part of what I look at is the variety of foods. Because if, uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard the term monoculture. It, it comes up with like trees, like if a city plants all oak trees they have a much higher risk of having something come in and destroy all the trees all at once. You know, like all it takes is one bug that loves that kind of tree to come in and it goes through it because they're all the same. And your body is no different. If you only have the same, you know, I've heard that in, their, in the average lifetime, people eat like 20 foods. Um, I've heard that the average person only eats about 10 food, different foods on a regular basis, which is not very much when you consider meats, vegetables, and starches and all that. Um, 10 foods, you know, you have pork, chicken, and beef, that's three foods right there. Um, so you add in eggs, that's four, green, and then you so that's like five different vegetables. And I know, I mean, just for my own example, I, the only vegetables I really liked growing up were corn and, and green beans. Um, it's not much variety. <laughs> but those are two vegetables that people eat with butter. So, And bacon. That's true. Green beans, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and so you want to make sure you are getting a variety. And also, even if you're not, and you see, you can see a pattern as it emerges, and you can start playing with it okay so like if i have this problem okay well let's try eating a little differently 
uh, I, I actually ended up having to go to a holistic doctor who did some testing and she identified five foods that were causing me problems and I'm going to tell them to you so you can understand how hard this was for me um, it was egg yolks specifically the yolks crazy I know um, but it's true there were uh, beans there was casein which is a milk protein so that cut out any pretty much all dairy except like butter because that's mostly fat um, let's see and then gluten which is wheat um, that's the one pretty much every holistic person will tell you to avoid uh, I won't tell you it's bad but I can tell you that it's overused uh, <laughs> and can cause some serious problems and then the last one which is the kicker is it's it's called solanine it's a compound found in nightshades nightshades are tomatoes potatoes chili peppers bell peppers paprika eggplant all right so i was told in january of 2018 that i needed to avoid those five foods if i wanted to actually get better it's really hard to find food that doesn't have one of those five in it you know, you think about places that seem somewhat healthier, like Chipotle, because, you know, everything there is pretty clean, and you get to pick what's in it. They have one meat that doesn't have pepper in it. I could have lettuce, rice, and their pork. And, yeah, that was it. Um, you can't actually ask especially for just avocado instead of guac because I, the guac has peppers in it and tomatoes. <laughs> it was a very bland meal. Um, and so it was, it was quite the struggle for me, um, causing me a lot of mental anguish trying to find things to eat, um, especially eating out. Uh, almost, or sometimes to the point where I just didn't care anymore. Like, I, I didn't care what I ate because I couldn't, didn't, at that, you know, I we waited, you know, I'd waited so long to try and make a choice that I no longer had the mental reserves to figure out what I could eat that would meet that. Um, thankfully, my wife was a very good person and would help me through those times and would try do her best to keep me on the on the diet. I'm curious, once you were able to avoid those consistently, despite the difficulty. Could you feel a real difference without those foods? And then maybe a noticeable difference when you consume them again? Yes. So I, I honestly, to a large degree, I still avoid those foods. Um, I found, I like, I eat eggs for breakfast, but I have to cook them a certain way. I have to do them over easy. If the yolk is completely cooked, it doesn't digest right. So as long as it's still runny, it's all good. Um, I don't eat very many tomatoes. They just don't sit well. Um, uh, I don't have a lot of beans. I don't really try to avoid them. I just don't eat them as a side very often. Um, I, I eat hardly any cheese. Um, that That's really my kryptonite, which is really hard when you go and you're trying to look for something healthier and you're like, well, a salad is pretty clean. If, if 
go look at the fast food salads, almost every one of them has a cheese on it. Um, blue cheese is the worst for me. Um, I would, we, our office was above a Potbelly's, and they have some pretty good food, and I would go and get their salad, and it would have blue cheese on it. Every time. Every time. I eventually found I could do, they had like a pick two, you could do a soup and a salad, and I'd get like their enchilada soup, um, which wasn't, you know, completely clean, but at this point it's sort of maintenance, and then I would get their salad with no cheese, and that would, that would be just fine. So I, I don't eat much cheese. Um, I've never been a big cheese lover, though, so it was pretty easy for me. <laughs> um, it, it's funny. But, like, my wife loves cheese. Like, I don't think there's, she's ever said anything was too cheesy. Um, but for me, there were often, you know, all through my life, there's often been things that like, that's that's too much cheese. I just don't like that. So, getting rid of cheese was easier for me. Um, were those things, like, specific to you and your body? Or are they, do you feel like, in general... Like they each have like specific effects on on people. Um, I guess what I'm asking is, should we all be avoiding those things, or was that just you who should be avoiding those things? Um, it's a little bit of both. Um, it was very specific to me. Um, you know, your mileage definitely does vary, uh, <laughs> but um, especially dairy in the U.S. Um, like if you go get a gallon of milk, it is pasteurized and homogenized. So when it's pasteurized, they kill off all the enzymes that would help you digest it. And then homogenization is actually putting it through a tiny filter that slices up all the fat cells so that they um, stay separate, mixed in. Um, so it's not at all the natural state. Um, and then also just it gets into a really long discussion about food quality is mo and that's you know organic is better food and there's a lot of reasons why um, and the way I, there's you know there's the pesticides but there's also the way they feed them and you know you're only as healthy as the food you eat and the food you eat is only as healthy as the food it eats and unfortunately um, cows cattle in the US are typically fed very poor diets they're fed fattening diets and the fastest way to fatten them is actually things that they don't digest it, basically they get filled with filler corn and soy among other things they actually do put like plastic based items in their feed to fatten them up and toxins yeah yeah and and that's why it, it you know that's part of the Part of the check system is that that doesn't say that you need to eat this specific way. There are certain things you sh everyone should avoid, but like as far as how much fat you need in your diet depends on you. Depends on your genetic heritage. Depends on your health, your digestion. But you get this strange problem where most of the t so fat has two purposes. One purpose is to store energy. The other one is to isolate toxins <laughs> that your body can't dispose of yet. And that's what part of what they do with cows is they overload them with toxins so they put on a lot of fat. Well, 
when you get a nice piece of meat with a good marbling, all that fat it still has that toxin in it. So you have this strange problem where we're designed to run on fat as well as protein and carbohydrates. Um, but if you eat normal, you know, just the stuff you buy at the supermarket, you almost have to go on with lean meat so you don't get all the toxins in the fat. And so you kind of get this gap in your diet and between how you would eat and how you have to eat. That's so interesting. I One of the things that you mentioned earlier on was um, food that you ate that kind of led to a mental fogginess. I was wondering if there's like an opposite of that, like things that we can do and eat that can actually help sharpen our mental acuity, like have that kind of long lasting energy and instead of like, you know, spikes and, and valleys, you know, um, you know, I, I know if I load up on carbs at lunch, I'm you're going to feel like I need a nap all day long. So, you know, there's probably things that I probably should be doing to, to even that out. Right. So, yes, there are there's what you food, how much food you eat and what food you eat. So when you eat too much food, your body has to devote more resources to digesting it. Because if it just sits in your um, inside of you, it will actually decay in an unhealthy way. So your body has to process it. And when you overload that, it has to devote more resources. Um, so just eating too much can cause a drag on your system. Um, on the other side, you want to what you're trying to manage is your insulin your blood sugar level and your insulin level. Um, and this is where I want to go off on the wrong tangent. So when you're under a lot of stress, your body actually converts protein into sugars for a more ready fuel source. So that even if you eat a low-carb diet, even if you're doing keto, if you're under a lot of stress, your body is converting that directly into sugars, causing an insulin spike. So that's that's another challenge. But honestly, if you if you're not under a lot of stress, um, you want some good quality fats in there. Um, I found <laughs> um, sort of a hack I can do if I'm like doing a road trip and it's getting late at night, but I still have a long way to go. I can get some coffee and some. It's called MCT oil, medium chain triglyceride, um, and it. And you put that in there, and the, those oils specifically will actually go almost directly to your brain to fuel it. Um, and that can give you a good mental boost for longer than just the coffee. And it, and it actually cuts the jitters some, um, reduces the amount of stomach upset usually, because you actually uh, use fat to digest. And so by putting it in there, you're giving your body something to help handle the coffee. I actually came across this. Um, I want to say there was a fad a couple of years ago, a company called Bulletproof Coffee was uh, kind of pushing this idea. But, you know, just the, the medium chain triglycerides, you know, that kind of persisted past um, just this one company and its products, right? Right. Yes. And it's actually interesting. I, I'm... I, I actually like the Bulletproof company they put out. I don't agree with all of their approaches, but they put out really good, solid information that's pretty unbiased. But the Bulletproof coffee actually came 
from a trip um, the founder took to, I believe it was Tibet, and he, um, one of the locals gave him yak butter tea. <laughs> and that basically, it's a combination of caffeine and fat that that has was the foundation for Bulletproof Coffee. He actually dug into the science of how to replicate that and, and then improve it with coffee. And so the MCT it gets absorbed a little better than the butter, a little faster. Um, but you can use butter as well to get a similar effect. Well, that's a cool little hack, but it sounds like, um, you know, there's no shortcuts, right? Like you probably in the medium to long term, probably need to do the food log and then actually examine how things uh, affect your body individually. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for me, it, getting control of your health all starts with awareness. It starts with awareness of the choices you're making and the effect they have on your life. Because until you have that, you don't have, you're just throwing darts at the wall. Mm -hmm. Blindfolded at that. <laughs> right. This uh, reminds me a little bit of the approach of this group. It, I don't remember um, if the movement is called Quantified Self or if it's just like one company, but um, you know the idea of doing like lots of different measurements of your body, including like you know exactly how you're sleeping, like the quality of sleep that you're getting, what your, your blood pressure is on a regular basis, you know, uh, pulse ox, and and you know all these different things, you know, measuring everything and then making small tweaks you know, uh, coming up with a hypothesis, making a change, seeing how it affects you, and then, uh, you know, seeing whether, like, you know, your hypothesis was proven or not, and then making another change, you know, based on, on you know, the observations, very, like, you know, kind of scientific method, right? And um, it just, like, like I said, it just was like an association or just triggered a memory of this thing. I think we've talked about it before. <laughs> Right. And that that's, you know, and that's the deal is like, also, as you do this journey, like, as, you know, you're starting from where you are now, because that's the only place you can start. Well, mm -hmm. as you change your di diet and change your, you know, your sleeping patterns, your hydration, your body will change. And right. its needs are actually going to change too. Mm. So if you're eating the same way in four years that you're eating, you know, tomorrow, you're probably not actually helping yourself as much as you think. Now, here's my question. It sounds like the food journal will give me a nice baseline. Maybe I, that allows me to experiment a little bit. Are there ways to go about doing this without seeking professional help? I'm not saying that's bad, but can I do it on my own with enough education? Absolutely. Um, that's, that's, you know, I, I did go see that holistic doctor, but you know, and this is, I, I valued what she gave me, but she never empowered me to take control of my own health. It was very much a dependent relationship on her. Um, she would, I would go to her and she would tell me what was wrong and what I needed to do to fix it, fix, but it, she never tried to give me the tools to navigate it myself. Um, and, the, and that's why I'm, why I'm a coach is I'm not here to hold your hand for the rest of your life. My goal is to give people the tools they need to take control of their lives so they don't need me.
and you can do it on your own. Um, it's a lot of work, and it's really hard to do without without somebody having outside eyes. Because I mean, that's the power of any coaching, right? It's like like a a neutral third party to look at you and go, "Well, here's here's something you need to fix." Right, exactly. And that kind of helps you achieve that awareness, but in a non-judgmental way, as you said. It's not good or bad. This is just how it is. It sounds very much like the some of the tools from Inner Game of Stress that we talked about several episodes ago. Oh, yeah. It, it is very much the same, isn't it? It's like the, the non-judgmental um, observation. Yeah. Well, Randall... Um, I, you know, let's like bounce back and forth between the hacks and the hard work. So we talked about a little bit about some hacks and we talked a little bit about some hard work. Like, let's get into like another, like maybe more like tactical thing. You know, we're all le leading pretty busy lives. Um, are there any tips and tricks that we can use to kind of, you know, make those decisions about food ahead of time for when we're busy so that we don't have to make a decision like right at lunchtime or right at dinner time or right at breakfast time. Oh, absolutely. Like, so especially, especially when I was very strict, you know, we had to get on and find fast food places that had foods that I could fit eat. Um, Cause you can't just, you can't wait till you pull up to the drive-thru to figure out, you know, which one of these has tomatoes, which one of these has dairy. Um, and you know, the internet is a beautiful thing sometimes. And especially these days with all the food allergies, most of the companies actually have things like that listed. They won't have everything, but a lot of them either under nutritional information or allergy, allergen listings. Um, for me, an eye opener was going to Panda, the Panda Express allergen list. And they show you about eight or 10 different allergens that might be in their foods and they go through each dish and every single one had gluten. Um, <laughs> or at least everyone with meat. And as I, as I learned more, I realized, um, and I posted about this, but like their teriyaki chicken, the reason it has gluten to my knowledge is because the sauce, teriyaki sauce is made with flour. Yeah, as a thickener, right? Right. So if you get it, you can get it without the sauce. <laughs> and so you know, I I really don't like going places and modifying my order. I remember as a I was a picky eater as a kid, and we go to Taco Bell, and all I wanted was a beef burrito with beef and cheese, nothing else. And it wasn't too bad when I was younger because they had a beef burrito. A simple beef burrito on the menu. Then they actually took it off the cash register. They had to do it, bring it up as a bean burrito, minus the beans, plus the beef, minus the onions, minus the red sauce. And I just got so tired of that, going through that process every time that I eventually just started eating other things, only so I wouldn't have to go through that, which is terrible to say, but there it is. Um, and that, <laughs> and you know, I, I've got gotten a little more comfortable but it's still i i like to order off the menu i like to say okay give me that combo yeah the way it comes no changes just give me that um 
there's also this pressure of how we think other people are going to perceive us getting this super special order. Like, oh, you're such a health nut, or why do you have to make things so complicated? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I got, I was such a picky eater. I mean, like I said, I would only eat green beans and corn um, for vegetables. I wouldn't even eat mashed potatoes. Those were nasty to me. Um, the only way I'd eat potato was fried. <laughs> that is the Texas way, isn't it? It's the best way. Um, and so, you know, people would, not my immediate family, but other people would kind of make comments about being a picky eater. And those wear at you after time, over time. And so I just developed this aversion to wanting to order special. It's like I either I'll eat it the way it comes or I won't eat it. I don't want to have to order special and then hope they get it right. Because that's very frustrating. Um, it's when they when they get your special order wrong. It's the worst of both worlds, right? Right. Because <laughs> you, you had to go through the process of ordering in a specific way, and then you didn't get it that way. So you don't even get the benefit. It, it sounds to me like you're um, talking about putting in some work ahead of time so that you don't have to make choices and decisions like in the moment. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, That's the only way to do it. So kind of knowing all, like if it's about fast food or restaurants, kind of doing a survey and going, well, where's the like top 10 or 15 places that I, that I know that I'm going to go to in the next month. And what is it that I can eat that's going to fit my diet and, and be a good compromise between, you know, flavor and health or whatever my health goals are. And then knowing that that's what I'm going to order when I go there. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, especially it's not, you know, if you're stuck at home right now, it's not such a big deal, but you know, if you, if you're working in an office somewhere and you go out to lunch, you know, pick out the five or 10 places you like and figure out what you can eat there. You know, if you can figure out two or three things you can eat there, but then you'll at least have that, you know, you get there, you're tired, you're hungry. You just want to eat, you know, exactly what you can get. You don't have to make a decision because that's all decided. And you're making, you've already made that decision because of what the result you want from your lunch. I guess there's always the pre-planning what you're going to take for lunch based on what you know will, you know, not affect your health in a negative way, right? Maybe shop for the week. I know you said more frequent trips to the grocery store was better. Is it, should we shop for a week at a time? Maybe just a few days at a time? What do you think there? Uh, as far as like me goes, honestly, on the week is fine. Uh, for optimal, if you fits with your life, probably twice a week for produce. But again, for me, you, I try to keep eating as less of a stress as possible. And so if it's a stress to try and get to the store second time in a week or to work all of that out budget-wise or whatever, then to me it's not worth it. The return's not worth it. Because the stress alone is actually a drain on your system. So if you make this food, eating healthy a stressor for you, you're undoing any a lot of the good that you would be doing. That makes sense. Now, I, I mean, that that really strikes a chord with me, right? Like if you're, you're adding stress to your life by trying to, 
you know, do all these things and, you know, worry about them. Like, first of all, you're probably making too many changes all at once, right? Because that's one of the first things that we talked about is like making those changes gradually. And then, um, yeah, if, if what you're doing is like, you know, it's a ne negative because of all the stress and all the, the bother, then, you know, then, then it's like, well, then it's a net negative, right? You would have been better off not doing any of it, especially if you can't maintain it. So, right. Um, yeah. Especially, especially when you're eating out and having to try and make those choices, if it's if you find that stressful, then you absolutely have to do it ahead of time. Because when you start getting stressed, you stop digesting food. <laughs> so you're you're you are literally hurting yourself by eating at that point. And then when you have the comfort food, you digest it even less, and the indigestion goes up. All that good stuff. Yeah. I I really like the observations that you're making about the way that, you know, our emotional state and and mental state can affect the way that we are processing the food, right? So you can eat eat all the right things, but if you're not in the right mental state or not the right health state, like that doesn't actually help. Right? You can you can undo all that with excessive stress. So I imagine that that's kind of like, oh, you're if you're in fight or flight, like mental state, then your body goes, oh, okay, then we need to process all this stuff into sugar because we're either going to run away or we're going to have to fight, right? Exactly. So, so putting ourselves like doing the things that we need to do to de-stress our lives um, is an important part of um, having or achieving our health goals because you know not changing that one thing can maybe undo a bunch of the other stuff right yeah one of one of the things my my instructors have stressed about eating is like don't watch something stressful that you know is going to be stressing you out while you eat so don't watch the news while you eat because pretty much i mean that's what it's designed to do is it's designed to get you upset about something agitated um, either angry or you're going to be sad just it, it's trying to pull your, your emotions and that's going to mess up your ability to digest your food um, which is you know and then also you don't want to watch something too exciting like a Jason Bourne movie or The Walking Dead because that also is much more enjoyable but it's still a very high adrenaline response which again fight or flight you know you're you're there you're ready to fight with them uh, you're all amped up and so you're gonna seriously hamper the digestion of your food is it better to not be in front of a screen while you're eating like take time away from the desk and just sit down and not look at a screen maybe listen to something read a book i don't know it, it definitely is and one of the really I find I find the whole all of it really interesting. So I try not to say one of the really interesting things, but I say it a lot because I do find it really interesting. Is that digestion actually starts in the brain? Um, it actually starts with the acknowledgement, mental acknowledgement that you're about to take in food to to feed your body. So when you do it distracted, uh, you know if you if you're busy watching something or reading something or working on something we've probably each had the experience where you just didn't really taste your food, right? 
well, your body is not actually receiving it properly at that point. You're not producing all the enzymes to digest it. So the more focused you can be with your eating, the better it works out. I that did makes, not know that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Like you're you're paying attention to your eating, then like that's just better for how you're processing the food. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems so simple, but, you know, it's not something that we really, you know, probably take the time to like measure on our own. Right. And if, if somebody goes, oh, oh, I don't believe that at all. It's like the, all they really need to do to prove that to themselves is to like experiment and see how well they digest the exact same meal. Like, you know, one eaten mindfully and one eating, eaten distractedly. Right. Exactly. I would imagine that you may end up eating more than you should if you're watching something, doing something else. Usually, yeah. Um, I know, especially in the afternoons, I eat from boredom. I like to snack all afternoon. Um, and, and I have come to realize it's not because I'm actually hungry. It's just because I'm bored. And I want something to do with my mouth. And I think something similar also happens when we're distracted our body is telling us, yeah, you need to eat, but we're not really paying attention. And so the signals aren't really lining up the way they're supposed to. Good stuff. Well, I know we've taken a lot of your time today, Randall, and I don't want to take too much more, but maybe just as we wrap, any closing thoughts, words of wisdom for listeners out there, and maybe how they can get in touch with you if they want to talk more? You know, for me, it all starts with becoming aware there's a problem and then wanting to change it. And that's where everything starts, whether it's your career, whether it's your health. Um, and until someone is aware and until somebody wants to change it, no one else can make it ha make something happen. So um, if anybody wants to find out more about me, I am Shield Wolf Wellness um, on Instagram and Facebook. And if you find me there, that'll take you to my website. Awesome. And is that something that you can do remotely, like people kind of across the country, wherever they may be? Yes. Oh, that's super exciting. Okay. And it all starts, I guess, with an initial consultation. That's how it works. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll get on a call together. Um, make sure we're a good fit because, you know, we're building a team and a team needs to get along and have the same goals. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, Randall, thanks so much for joining us on the Nerd Journey podcast. And we'll definitely include links in the show notes to people who want to look you up and uh, links to some of the resources that you mentioned over time. So thanks a lot for stopping by. Well, thank you, Nick and John. It's been fun. Yeah, for sure. Lots of fun. Take care. food choices shouldn't be viewed as good or bad was inner game of stress this, oh yeah this non-judgmental awareness not classifying as good or bad but what is right yeah that choice that was made whatever has happened 
without judgment and then moving forward, you know, based on like the facts of the outcome, right? Not saying, hey, you know, I'm a terrible person. And uh, yeah, like making that connection, like during the episode and then listening back to it, you know, just kind of reinforcing that, you know, really, really makes a lot of sense. The thing that I took away, you know, the second time that kind of picked out was the food log, right? If you're trying to like improve something, you kind of have to collect data, right? So it just reminds me of something that I've been doing recently. I've been kind of uh, working through uh, the book, uh, Learning, Learning Python the Hard Way. And one of the things that the book author has you do is kind of just do something, you know, every day on that book. So like, I've been just kind of keeping like a log of all my experiences, you know, and observations as I work my way through the book and its exercises. And, you know, just, it really like, you cannot like examine something without (laughs) changing it. Right. Uh, so, um, just little things and tips there that, you know, I found, you know, really helpful, you know, not only with technology, but with eating, you know, too. So, you know, great, great stuff. And this idea of journaling, as you mentioned, really helps you see your progress over time. It actually reminded me of one of your, I can't remember which episode it was, but you talked about a new way to document your work since you've been working for Google Cloud and making sure that you consistently do document the things that you're doing almost in the same way that the food journal helps you. Right, right. To kind of track like your activities and the things that you're learning and the things that you've accomplished. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very analogous to that. All right. Anything else uh, before we get out of here? No. Just a reminder, we want to have people subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at NerdJourney. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at BJourneyman on Twitter. For Nick Cordy at NetworkNerd underscore, signing off. Adios. Fuel that body. Joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? John, any better, and I'd be John White, I have to tell you. We are both pre-sales technical engineers. <laughs> I need to not react when you do that. <laughs> it was your reaction that got me. Like, if you hadn't reacted, I could have just kept going. I should have tried not to lick at you at all. I should have just covered up the window. All right.